0: Hello I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. Strong mayors. Premier Doug Ford is bringing them to the city of Toronto as well as the city of Ottawa, whether they want it or not. There is also talk in the air of Hamilton City Council being another uh, potential target for a strong mayor system. However, what is a strong mayor? Do we even want one? That is what Roland and I have been pondering since this was proposed without warning or without consultation last month. Now, to answer our questions and concerns, we've reached out to Andre Cote from the Toronto Metropolitan University. Andre is the head of the Secure and Responsible Tech Policy Program at TMU and runs a mission-driven consulting firm that has worked with numerous clients on urban policy issues, as well as higher education, technology, and public finance. Recent cities projects included a. Canadian urban design lab for the new federal housing accelerator fund an evergreen strategic foresight project with the city of Calgary and supporting the sidewalk labs, public consultations on behalf of waterfront Toronto. Previously, he served as both political staff and nonpartisan public servant in the government of Ontario. First as advisor to the deputy minister at the ministry of finance and later as a senior advisor to the deputy premier and minister for treasury board and advanced education and skills. He worked and studied at the University of Toronto's Munk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy, including as manager at the Institute on Municipal Finance and Governance. Needless to say, he knows a lot about this topic and is a lot smarter than Roland or myself. And he joins us today to talk about the Ford government's proposal and what the potential risks and consequences could be. Please enjoy. Let me uh, welcome to the podcast Andre Cote uh, from Toronto Metropolitan University. Thank you very much, uh, prof- Professor uh, uh, Cote, uh, for for coming on to uh, to discuss the topic of strong mayors with us today. So thank you very much for taking the time to uh, to
1: join us. My pleasure, and and definitely not not professor, just just Andre, and uh, nice to be with you. Well, Joel you're and, you're,
0: and... you're smart. You're smarter than us, and you're t- going to probably teach us something today. So I think technically that makes you <laughs> professor. So. I, but thank you for nonetheless for uh, for coming on today but let's let's uh, just so all of our listeners kind of have a, a baseline understanding of how the the system currently works um how much power does a mayor typically have whether they are the mayor of Toronto the mayor of Ottawa or the mayor of uh Bowmanville um how how much how much mayor, how much power would a mayor typically have
1: sure so i mean it's... um it varies a little bit across the country, but but if, if you look at and, and even within within Ontario, but, um, you know, we have what has typically been called a, a weak mayor system um, or, or a strong council system. And so in this system, um, you know, the mayor is typically elected at large. So, you know, across the whole municipality versus councillors within their wards. But on council, the mayor is typically just just one vote. So, you know, they've been called sometimes the, the first amongst equals. Um, and so really, it's a system where kind of in contrast to our parliamentary systems, where um, you have a lot of sort of centralized executive authority in a prime minister, a premier in a cabinet at the local level. Um, really, the the executive authority has typically been held by the legislative body, not to get to, you know, too into the poli 101 weeds but but by council decision making is, is with council um mayors do you know have um you know it's been described as having you know the bully pulpit so because of the profile you have of being the mayor um typically you're much better known by voters across the city you you have the ability to kind of uh, push forth an agenda in a way that you know that counselors or, you know, council writ large might not. So you, you can, you have influenced that way, but in terms of your formal powers, um, less so. And and so, there have been some changes, uh, in, in recent years to strengthen a little bit, um, that we can, we can come back to that.
0: So when we're talking about a strong mayor, uh, platform, I mean, people think of might, might think of in the, in the United States, we think of like the mayor of New York city or the mayor of a city like Chicago. Um, can you kind of like, what, what would that entail? Because what we're where we're going to get into the weeds with uh, with Premier Ford's proposal, it's not quite what that would look like uh, here here in Ontario. Could can we, like what 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 would a strong a typical strong mayor
1: on paper look like then? Yeah, sure. And and so I think New York and Chicago are often the, the examples that we look to. But um, uh, and again, in the U.S., there's kind of a spectrum of, of what it looks like. But but those two and, and a bunch of other um, typically larger cities. Um, so uh the mayor would would typically act as as like the ceo of the city the mayor would have authority for um preparing and and advancing the city budget even if often the budget would actually be voted on by council uh the mayor would have often the the power to appoint the chief administrative officer or the city manager uh, who runs the you know the whole sort of administrative apparatus of, of the city. Uh, and often for uh, supervising hiring and firing uh, department heads and and other sort of key key positions um, and in some cases the mayor would have uh, veto powers over council decisions uh, so i think those are typically the you know kind of the the bigger elements uh,
2: and i guess um well there's there's a couple of things that that, that... I've kind of learned over the years, I guess, is that, I mean, I mean you called it, a, you know, potentially a, a strong council system, and I've always felt it's, um, to an extent, a strong staff system, um, in that the kind of initiative for, a lot of the initiative for policy directions um, doesn't come from the elected people, per se. I mean, it can do, but they've got limited powers in that regard, in most cities, uh, but, but it actually comes from the staff, and then the, the, it's the council that can vote yay or nay, but you know, it's it's not like you have a cabinet that comes up with uh, uh, you know an agenda of legislation they want to get passed. It's just not how it how it works. So I mean, I guess um, yeah. I mean, it it it's it's a, it's so fundamentally different from from um, uh, the way we think of of provincial or federal politics working with this. It's, uh, uh, that it's uh, that I mean, I guess question i would put in at this point is is before we get into the weeds of what's being proposed uh what are the disadvantages do you think of, of the system that has existed of this kind of weak mayor system and uh, you, question I, know, I don't know if you know the answer to this i have haven't got a clue it's like why did we end up with this system in the first place is there any kind of logic behind it
1: well i mean to, you know to, to your to your initial point i think i think there's a fair amount to it around um you know a fair amount of um, authority, I guess, resting on the administrative side with the kind of permanent permanent city officials, the staff. Um, I mean, I think you know there are key, a few sort of key dynamics in the in the Canadian or sort of Ontario municipal system. Um, one is um, so there are no political parties. Uh, so only in a couple of couple of cities in Canada are you know is there the ability to have political parties, but here there isn't. And political parties, you know, as we know from our provincial and federal. Um, and you know, from south of the border and elsewhere, like they they play a really important role um, as kind of an organizing function. Um, you know, as as sort of like a brand identity that that voters uh, you know can be be attracted to. Um, in terms of obviously choosing leaders who become the sort of figureheads, and but I think also in terms of setting policy agenda. You know, parties typically have platforms. Um, I know recently, but eventually, not always. But typically, but, you know, parties have platforms that that is is kind of the agenda that they intend to put in place over the next few years um, in, in the city context, um, where the parties don't exist, you'll you'll have mayoral candidates who will sometimes have platforms, but sometimes, you know, there isn't that, that much to them. And then you and then you essentially have a bunch of counselors who are, are um, you know, they can have affiliations or sort of like um, political leanings. some can be more progressive or more conservative or whatever. But without the ability to sort of organize under a common banner and platform, they're all kind of free agents to a certain extent. And we've so actually discussed
2: before. Uh, sorry, I just sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Just no, of an course. interesting point that we've discussed before. That I did I mean, I, it's a bit of background. I mean, I ran for council four years ago. And only after running for council did I realize, did I learn the extent to which councillors, particularly in small cities where you, so Burlington was the city I ran in, there are only seven councillors, including the mayor um you're not allowed to have more than you're not allowed to have more than a minority of counsellors in the same room at the same time in any kind of private setting because that could be uh, construed as them kind of doing backroom deals or whatever uh, so you yeah. know they can't the extent to which they can even go out for a coffee together is surprisingly limited um uh, because of this kind of, you can't be cooperating together uh, attitude. Um, sorry, just, I thought I'd just jump in there and mention that. Because it's uh, no, subject- but I mean, that's,
1: that's key too, right? You think about how, you know, federal, provincial governments make decisions behind cabinet doors, and then they figure out how they're going to go out and communicate them. Well, to, you know, to your point, there are open meeting laws that dictate that you cannot be making decisions, um, you know, behind doors like that in the municipal. So all these things make it tougher to shape a coherent agenda and sort of advance it that way. And in terms of the history, I mean, I think a lot of it just goes back to the fact that, um, you know, if you go back 150 years, when our sort of founding municipal legislation was put in place, um, uh, municipalities weren't by and large cities that they were, they were little sort of outposts in in a rural, um, in a rural country or province. And their functions were, were, um, you know, very basic, basic things. And so I think over the last 150 years, obviously, cities have come come to become these, you know, large, complex, super important places. And I think in many cases, the, you know, kind of the governance side hasn't quite caught up with it, or it has, but in in fits and starts.
0: So let's, let's flash forward to today then. Um, As most people have probably read by now, uh, Premier Ford's uh, uh, government uh, is talking about introducing a strong mayor uh, system, which Right now, it's tentatively slated for Toronto and Ottawa, but we wanted to discuss on the, on this one because there's also rumors of, in the future, expanding those powers to the city of Hamilton and possibly other cities at, at large. Now, my understanding is uh, the, cur- the proposal is basically a mayor would be able to veto a council's decision uh, if was, if it was relating to an issue that the government of the day said was a priority for a municipality to focus on. Um, as well, the mayor would be able to appoint uh, the, the basically the key city staff, like the, the city manager, uh, uh, et cetera. Uh, they would be able to appoint it with free, kind of from the current political uh, happenings of, of city council. What's your take on the on the proposal as it stands right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the interesting part is it went from being a proposal to, to basically being um, a reality in a very short period of time, right? That you know, they kind of. This was not discussed in any way um, during the election campaign, as far as I know. And afterwards, um, you know, you started to hear rumblings about it. And then, you know, they had a throne speech in in early August. And the next day, they tabled this legislation, the uh, what is it called? The Strong Mayors Building Homes Act. And I mean, to me, it it, to a large extent kind of cuts and pastes um, a lot of the elements in, in the American strong mayor system. Um, I think that the veto the veto power is um, an important piece that, that we could that we could talk about. Um, but it also has a lot of the other elements that we talked about before. Um, so the mayor would have the power to now more, more directly um, sort of direct city employees in terms of you know doing work and, and developing policy, uh, appointing the city manager and hiring and firing certain division heads. Um, setting the org structure uh appointing and and kind of creating committees uh, and, and appointing their chairs and co-chairs um etc cetera, etc cetera. also the the budget piece the mayor would have the ability to um, propose the budget which would then be taken forth to council so to me it's really a lot of those elements that um we see in you know c- cities like you, you mentioned like in um, new york south of the border and uh, as of last week the the government um uh basically sort of pushed this legislation through to third reading with no amendments um
2: yeah i i'm i'm, I'm doing a a, a a hollow laugh there i mean i i there's i mean i i think the proposal i mean my i should be asking questions and not throwing my opinions in but um i would have said a few months ago before this came out that i would personally have been in i personally feel there there are massive deficiencies in the current municipal system and, and part of it is that weakness that was built in like you say because of the rural past that we've kind of come from but uh, oh have you lost him uh, you're still there sorry i think you went dark for a couple of seconds there um but the the lack of discussion obviously is the thing with this with this government that i f- i find problematic that this is comes out of nowhere um do you do you see any i mean my own impression was just from the kind of the the experience with rob ford as mayor of toronto that in toronto certainly and i, I think in ottawa maybe as well that they already have a a stronger mayor system if you like like they they have a kind of they've made arrangements to give the mayor of toronto uh a, a much greater role in in things than say the mayor of oakville or burlington would have uh is that correct
1: Um. Well. I think you know th- there's been a bit of an evolution like I you know to, to your point and we can come come back to this the, the way this is rolled out um, to me is what's what's truly troubling and problematic about this um I think you know there's an important debate to be had here about if this is the right direction or not for you know for our big you know complex cities um, but j- I mean just to take the um, the Toronto example just because it's it's the one that i'm I'm most familiar with um, you know again there's sort of a long historical tale to this like um after the amalgamation in 1998 you, you create this new new sort of you know mega city of toronto it was realized pretty soon after that like okay the way you know city governance worked maybe no longer works for a city of you know whatever it was at that point two and a half million people so we need to reconsider these things um and so the province did that on the one hand, um, in the early 2000s, the, the Liberal government that came in negotiated the City of Toronto Act. And part of it was sort of symbolic around just sort of recognizing the importance of, of the City of Toronto and, and later through updating the Municipal Act for, you know, for other, other cities and municipalities. Um, and you know, um, after the Harris year sort of signaling, we're gonna consult with you, you know, you're sort of a legitimate player. But part of it was also about enhancing their powers in certain ways. And so in Toronto, with some of those new powers, um, council actually, you know, after great deliberation, some you know, expert reports, blah, 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 like, uh, you know, but a consultative process. Like the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you
2: hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but at that point, council said, okay, we're going to make some changes to strengthen the mayor, but we're not going to go full strong mayor. And so they, and at the time it was David Miller. And so they said, you know, okay, the you know, the mayor can take on um, this sort of CEO role. Uh, the mayor can set the council agenda at the start of term um, to, you know, back to your points, create a little more coherence about what, you know, what the agenda is. Um, the mayor could create an executive committee, which would have to meet in public, but could act as kind of like a cabinet light in terms of um, sort of triaging items before they go to, you um, Go up to full council for decision uh, the mayor could um uh the mayor could step back from being speaker uh to council so that they could actually be like a participant um and they would have they couldn't fully direct staff but they could like for instance um uh set the terms of the budget process to, to staff and so it was, it's sort of like kind of a halfway set of steps uh and you know there were a couple other things
2: but I think the decision
1: at that point was you know going full you know parliamentary cabinet or or full strong mayor seemed like a bit much
0: i want I wanted to just touch upon the 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 existing proposed legislation that the, the this government's pushing through and that the it, it I mean I think to people it sounds like, wow, finally, you know they're going to get stuff done at city hall, right you know and so this that's what it sounds like on paper to the I think to the layman or just at first glance finally, you know, it's, the mayor's going to be able to push through. Stuff to get done and make our city better. Great. Wonderful. But I, I like I'm saying, there's a lot of, there's a real Trojan horse in this legislation in that the, the, the veto power that a mayor has is tied to priorities that the provincial government lays out. Now those, I imagine with knowing this government, those priorities will have to do a lot with development, um, presumably some kind of housing uh, uh, agenda. I'm not sure what that is. We don't really seem to have a clear plan f- put forward yet. but what what you know is there a danger in that that basically like doesn't make the the mayor of Toronto and Ottawa, potentially other municipalities in the province, basically a stooge of whoever the premier is
1: at any given time going forward? Well, that you know, I know that's been been a, a big sort of focal point. and um to me, you know, it's a big sort of unanswered question. like you know, so they've sort of said, well, uh, this veto can be applied uh, where you know a council decision contravenes a provincial priority, whatever the the precise language is. But it's like so. Firstly, what are these provincial priorities? They've signaled that the housing thing will be one of them. But like, what else are they? How, you know, how are they put in place? How are they communicated? Secondly, what's what's the threshold for deciding whether a provincial priority has been contravened by a council decision? And and like, who decides? Thirdly, I feel like there's a big sort of and and Frankly, puzzling political dynamic here to me also, where it's it's like, um, what makes the province believe these mayors are these mayors are going to do their bidding for them? Um, like in Toronto, you just have kind of a fascinating one where you have Mayor Tory, who is who is you know right of center, progressive conservative, and yet I never understood that he and you know he ran against Doug Ford uh, and beat him um, locally, so I never. Saw them necessarily as you know having a deep sort of kinship. Maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm wrong there. And then you look at the other municipalities um, like Ottawa. C- currently has uh, a former former Liberal cabinet minister mayor, and they're they so he's stepping down. But in the in the fall election, there's another former Liberal cabinet minister mayor <laughs> who's running. And uh, you know my understanding is another of the strong candidates is like a like a serious progressive councillor um and so maybe i'm missing something but it's like you know you're gonna have progressive mayors in a bunch of these cities why would they fall in line um so i feel like there's a bunch there to unpack so Um, so my
2: my feeling well i think joel's and my feeling by to an extent there was was you know going going back to i feel like you know everything municipal level has been colored to an extent over the last 20 years by the places to grow act and, and what that Introduced and it's like the Places to Grow Act was uh, I'll say until my dying day was it was a good act with good intentions. From part and parcel of that was basically a a you know the statement that the city can do what it's like what it likes as long as it doesn't contravene what the province says the city should be doing. And you think well, yeah fine well that makes obvious sense that that you know how can there be a problem with that that that's obviously the way it should work. How it works in practice is it makes everything to do with development. In certainly in urban growth centres, appealable uh, by developers or by whoever wants to appeal. Uh, and the upshot of that, it seems to me, uh, and you can tell me if you, you think I'm right uh, or whether I'm completely off base, the upshot of that to me seems that the major development decisions in most um, Ontario cities are now actually made by the Ontario Land Tribunal because anything of any size gets appealed. Uh, you know, Unless the city says yes, it's going to be appealed. That's just part of the cost of building a building in Ontario these days. And it seems to me that what we've got here is exactly the same principle. It's like, you can do what you like as long as it doesn't disagree with what we say you should be doing. Well, you're going to have to have an appeals body to decide whether it contravenes it or not. In which case anybody with money can appeal it and you've up, you know, it's the same process you've basically uploaded the decision making process to the province because they Yeah. Do Do you think that that that's uh, that's
1: an argument with merit? Well, I mean, you know, firstly on on the on the development side, um, I very much agree. And and it's like, you know, the full disclosure: my wife is a is a property developer, and so we don't necessarily agree on everything. But but (laughs) you know, I hear about what's what's happening, and it's it's almost like going to the tribunal is like the de facto on yeah. And you know, and. Not to you know sort of throw shade at the, at the city city planning officials because I think on on the other hand that they're completely overwhelmed and they're kind of boxed in by this threat of of the tribunal. But it's like that you know you get the sense that they'll almost like run out the clock so that it that it has to head down that path and that's kind of become the de facto. Um, well, and, so and the, think, the, think the, 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 the clock you know, the was cut in system. half
2: as well, so the the clock is a lot smaller than it used to be. <laughs>
1: but it is, but, but I mean, has that changed anything? It doesn't appear appear to have. But but, I mean, here's my question. Why do this? Why not just make those, you know, just impose those changes um, on on the development side? And, you know, the province just had this, um, the housing affordability task force come out and essentially recommend a whole set of things that basically said, impose these changes, impose as of right zoning, um, you know, to to certain levels. impose the streamlining of urban design rules to speed things up impose limits on uh, public consultations uh and make changes to expedite things at, at the tribunal um, you know amongst other things and so you can totally debate what impacts this would have on you know on local democracy on on uh, citizen participation all these types of things but if your goal was to get housing built um you had an expert panel make a bunch of those recommendations that frankly i think, a lot of even somewhat progressive folks wouldn't entirely disagree with, right? Mm-hmm. Why not just do those things? Like, why but, do this? Why do this totally backdoor thing where you're fundamentally changing mis- and then you're asking, you're pushing mayors to, who who might not do your do your bidding anyways? Well, I
0: yeah. want to I want to kind of expand on that note because it seems to be a trend that this government is has been rolling out with for the last kind of I'm going to say since about March when they declared COVID was over. Um, that it's been okay. Let's just let's catch up because the 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 fact is we need. I think I believe the last estimate is one one and a half million units um, in the entire province to meet housing uh, demand and to to help kind of curb the affordability rates uh, that, that's plaguing a lot of a lot of municipalities. And this the housing the housing affordability task force came out and a lot of the things that you presented were things I think people are like okay that's interesting. Let's 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 see about that. Let's how to, how can that work? But rather than implement that, they just, they kind of just took the stuff that was in favor for developers and they, you know, okay, the land tribunal has the final say on all things development in this province. And they said, we'll keep that. That's, that's core. But in terms of enforcing, um, very density housing, uh, in neighborhoods, uh, and to, it, you know, to allow different types of development to meet various housing needs that, that hasn't been touched upon by this government. And it seems to me, it, it, like, it's a passing the buck almost to say, well, because that's the thing is you'd have to have a debate and they'd have to, they have to go out and win over people and make that argument to the public. And this government doesn't seem to want to do that. It's rather like, well, let's just give it to the province or to the mayors. They'll carry the, they'll carry the, the, the political ramifications of saying to people in, in Toronto, Ottawa, maybe Hamilton or London perhaps. And they that mayor now has to carry the burden of going to the people and saying, well, no, we need to have. This level of development or this type of development in this neighborhood now, because we need to m- meet targets that are set by kind of by the province. And this seems to be, in my mind, it seems to be a passing of the buck rather than the province is saying flat out say, no, this is the way it's got to be folks. We, we need, pl- we need housing for people. We need affordable housing for people. Um, we're done waiting for the cities, the municipalities to get their act together. We're doing, it. we're taking charge and bearing the political cost of that decision. I'm rambling a bit. I apologize. I I was just going to say,
2: I think it's a good point. I mean, the genius, I think the unintended genius of the places to grow act is that the people who take the heat for all the, I mean, the history of Burlington over the last 15 years is of the local government taking the heat for all the development that happens that is ordered by the province uh the 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 council has no choice but to you know within a certain degree of uh you know they can argue about all the number of floors or they like ultimately the stuff is going to get built somewhere um and the the kind of genius is that the province is getting off scot-free from this and not taking any heat and and the and the local government takes all the heat so maybe maybe i can't quite believe that doug ford is that um uh machiavellian <laughs> he would like to be machiavellian i don't think he is uh to uh to think that far ahead but it seems like that i mean maybe that would be how it works out i don't know what do what, what do you think andre
1: well i mean i think that um you know but places to grow is um you know was developed over years and years is is incredibly sort of you know detailed and and whatnot right um You know, and so so through that process, they land on the intensification targets, and then you know over time, that has to be hardwired into official plans and blah blah blah, right? There's, I I, my big question is, you know, um, so I so I think I think Joel, to your point, it's like very clearly this this government, um, you know, has been on the side of developers, and that's you know that's fine, that's their prerogative, Um, and you see it through the MZOs and you know through through a range of other things, right? My big question is how does this, if if your goal is really to accelerate housing, how does this get you from A to B? That's like, that's what I can't quite piece together Um, because again, you're you're relying on these strong mayors to advance all these things, but this does nothing to make the core problems or the core core barriers go away, right? Whether it's NIMBYism, whether it's, uh, you know, um, the way municipalities set their official plans, whether it's um, the actual planning process, whether they have enough, you know, planners and engineers on staff, like all these, all these things that are, um, you know, sort of, you know, uh, below the surface, but that are that are the root causes. I don't see how how this is some magic bullet to to um, to break through in all those areas. And so if you're if you're the developers, sure, you know, maybe you you want this. Um, not not to throw you know throw my wife under the bus, but I was asking her yesterday. Have you heard about this? What do you think about this? And she sort of said, "Well, I mean, it could have an effect, but but she made a lot of those points. She's like, it's a lot of a lot of these um, more call them even administrative issues that that they're running up against that's slowing down um, the process, and very unclear how this would solve for them."
2: Yeah, I mean, if if you're really wanting to help development, I think you're absolutely right. This is not this is not the way to get it. It's kind of it's a splashy move that doesn't. I think it could have very negative long-term effects um, if it gives birth to that kind of just, appeal, you know, basically taking the OLT system and applying it to everything rather than just development. Um, But it actually, yeah, it doesn't, I can't really see how it helps development that much. Why do you think the, you know, part of me is wondering if if Doug Ford is basically, you know, well, this was sold to him by the Minister of Municipal Affairs or whatever, um, uh, as you know, look what happened to your brother. They took his powers away. Let's make sure that doesn't happen again. I mean I'm wondering if it's that kind of personal, low level kind of motivation. Um, and also, um, uh why why do you think the the province, you know, having done that, uh I mean Again, we kind of thought it had problems, but the but the uh, the the proposals that were in the um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. The 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 proposals came out just before the election for you know opening up single family home neighborhoods to um, you know up to five stories. I think something like that. Why do you think that they're not touching that? That basically they've just thrown that whole uh, uh, thing in the bin.
1: Well, you know, I don't I don't really know. And you know, they've taken some some heat for that and i wonder whether it comes back to your point which is you know maybe their view is um they'd rather download the heat for that so they'd rather you know um uh hope that the mayors will take these on and you know it is possible that um you know in the current system mayors recognize that um They wouldn't get some of these uh, more significant housing reform or or sort of development reform changes through their council so maybe they've never surfaced them maybe they've never brought them forward maybe they've been you know sort of keeping their powder dry and maybe with these powers suddenly they say okay well um you know now's the time to advance you know a more aggressive reform agenda or whatever so that so there is a chance and and you know there have been some backroom conversations and whatnot that have, have have you know that have informed this um but that, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the big questions for, for me as well. And it just, I mean, go, go ahead, sorry. Well, I was just going to say the the other part that I, I just find so puzzling about this, right, is um, so, you know, this is a government that um, basically in its first move showed that um, its level of, uh, of sort of respect and partnership for municipalities was going to be, to put it you know, generate delicately, you know, less than less than the previous government, right, where uh, they stepped up and immediately intervened in municipal elections back in 2018. Um, and what seemed to be like the, you know, the, the rationale, um, again, was somewhat unclear. It seemed to be, you know, potentially even just sort of a vindictive play to sort of shrink the Toronto Council to, you know, with the regional chair elections, <laughs> you know, put Patrick Brown back in his place. And, and I think Del Duca was gonna run in, in York. Um, so And so again, in, in this election, uh, or, or immediately following this election, after no public discussion, that they, they proposed this dramatic, dramatic change to, to municipal governance. But the interesting thing is for a government with that outlook, what this has the potential to do is create much stronger political adversaries in in mayors in the mayors of toronto and the mayor of ottawa and and wherever else they go and so i find that really fascinating like part of the reason previous proposals for um you know gta regional government um uh basically didn't come forward a big piece of it was this fear that you know like in greater london in, in the uk You'd create this this mayor for for the GTA, and suddenly he'd be like a mini premier, and that would be like a big threat to to Queens Park. And so I find that, I find that part really interesting. Like um,
0: well, on it, on that yeah. note, just maybe maybe to push back on that idea is, I mean this is this isn't new. The this the strong mayor's uh, proposal or or, or uh, legislation isn't kind of out of left field. This is something. This kind of a, been a growing trend over the the previous term of this government's kind of municipal. Agenda, if you will. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't really seen a cohesive, and it's something we've talked about in this podcast. We haven't seen a cohesive movement between the mayors of Ontario to kind of push back concretely against the the, the eroding of their powers to Queens Park. Um, I mean, let's take example, perfect example. This one, the strong mayor's proposal comes out. John Tory isn't, you know, tiptoe like Jesus. You know, this is dangerous legislation. We we need to really think about this. He's arm around Doug Ford, you know, buddy buddy. This is all great and wonderful. I've yet to hear any mayor uh, really come out and say, yeah, I I don't like this legislation as it's being proposed. This is what I want. Um, And then I was thinking recently at at AMO, uh, the Association of Municipalities of Ontario, I I did not see any criticism from any of the mayors or any of the councillors that went to that conference against this government's uh, policies. Maybe you're you're, you're seeing something, but I, I just, I don't see that kind of adversarial, you know, who's standing up for cities approach yet. I, I haven't seen it yet in this municipal election so far.
1: Well, the, so the mayor of Ottawa came out strongly against it. Uh, so Jim Watson. So, I mean, an interesting circumstance there because he's he's not running again. And so, but he and his points were interesting. He, he said, I don't understand what we're solving for here. Um, he said um, he has, you know, developed a very strong and sort of collaborative relationship with council. And I can't remember the exact number, but he said basically 90 plus percent of of the items that he tried to get through council, he he had been able to get through council. And it was through the the development of those relationships and kind of a consensual approach. So he said, uh, you know, what this is going to do is uh, disempower councillors and uh, and diminish local democracy in certain ways. I'm paraphrasing, hopefully not missing it too badly. But so there was that opposition. He also said, which I think comes to this, like, to what extent do we expect mayors to actually do this? He said he thought um, the mayoral candidates in Ottawa should come out and say um, they're not going to, um, I guess, sort of fully take advantage of these, you know, commit to not fully taking advantage of these powers, um, even if even if they have them. And so I'm not sure if they will, but he he was at least one example of someone, you know, making the the kind of counterpoint.
2: And he, uh, I guess he's in he's in the position where he can. Um, uh, the only other, I mean. Mayors who are willing to openly speak out against the province are pretty thin on the ground. I mean, because, you know, I guess because they're, they're there with the begging bowl always, right? It's, it's the way the system works. Uh, and the non-partisan aspect of municipal politics seems to always be taken almost to an extreme, and we know that many councillors and many mayors have backgrounds in parties. I mean, Andrew Horvath obviously a perfect example at the moment. Uh, Marie-Ameed Ward ran for the Liberals at one time. Uh, oh, I think of a hundred other ones. Um, but the minute they take the you know the municipal path they're always friendly with the province come what may i mean i guess maybe a, a good outcome of this might be that if they are if you do create more independent mayors that might be a good thing but um but yeah i certainly see how um, in most cities the councillors it's not like a councillor is a is a a strong (laughs) position anyway (laughs) but yeah even more sidelined um uh, whereas a situation like we have in Brampton where Patrick Brown I mean I think I think the whole issue with with Patrick Brown uh, in Brampton has been that he came in kind of think right I'm I'm premier I'm I'm premier of the uh, of the city I'm going to bring in my people to do things my way and that's just not how cities are supposed to work so you immediately get a huge amount of kickback from 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 staff and uh, councillors alike um I should really find a question mark to put at the end of this
1: rambling uh, comment <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean can I just raise you know one yeah, one please point? Do, yeah the you know, councillor roles might not necessarily be the most the most glamorous. And, and you see this sort of, um, you see this sort of call it hierarchy in our politics, where it's like a lot of councillors feel like, you know, their opportunity is to graduate up to becoming a member of provincial parliament or, or a federal MP. But then you also see a lot of them once they get there, you know, my, my view, at least seem um, very, you uh, um, disappointed with what they get in oh absolutely absolutely yeah i mean it's because as a council, you actually have um a significant degree of power in a way that you really don't in in our highly centralized provincial and federal systems right if if you're a backbench mp or mpp uh queens park or in ottawa um unless you find your way into a ministerial role um in my view you have significantly less uh Influence um, on on the ground on 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 policy uh, as as a councillor would, and so maybe there's slightly more sort of perceived prestige with with those other roles. But um,
2: yeah, you, you also and you also have just I mean, and i just speak here from the experience, just having been I you mean, know, I was just a volunteer uh, in provincial politics, and then you know having a crack at running for council and the the freedom. To say what you want to say is phenomenal. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh wow! I'm the boss of this whole thing. I don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. I can say what I like. This is, you know, it's hugely different from provincial or federal politics. But um, but yeah, I mean, the the downside of that is you don't have much power to actually do anything. But well, I want.
0: I just wanted you, you uh, Roland. You mentioned Patrick Brown, and I wanted to jump back to that idea because I, I, I'm sure if you listen to podcasts, you'll know that. Patrick Brown's embroiled in a scandal of basically um, nepotism. He, 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 you know, he appointed his buddies regardless of qualifications to key positions within Brampton city council. That's the allegation not proven, but that's what, that's what happened to bring it back full circle. I mean, that's kind of what this strong mayor's proposal would do is kind of make that legal. And so, you know, basically like, I, I find it ironic like Patrick Brown's in this scandal Pseudo scandal at, at, in Brampton. I don't, I
2: don't mean to suggest that he did anything illegal, but but yeah, I just want to. Well, it's a it's a, a, it's, a pl- it's a political quagmire for yeah. him right now. He he's getting he's
0: getting heat for it. Um, but if this legislation went through, that entire th- this would entirely be above board. Like nothing wrong happened here. He's entirely within his power, and it just rests on his on like there be there be nothing to
1: say here. Is it, it, is kind of what I'm taking away from it. Well, there, there'd still be there'd still be public scrutiny, right? You know, right. an example provincially was was like when um, Premier Ford uh, appointed the, the OPP commissioner and right, 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 right. I mean, and another interesting piece is um, there is a change in this legislation to, and it, frankly, I'm not sure exactly what effect it would have, but to the Municipal Conflict of Interest Act um, to set some rules around. Um, you know, disclosure and, and the various other aspects for, for these mayors. So I don't think that would go away, but I think t- to some extent, you're, you're right, that suddenly this is just a power that they would have for some key city rules. And, you know, if you, if you look in the U S like someone like mayor Bloomberg went in New York and, um, he brought a bunch of his, um, you know, sort of high powered corporate folks in to take on key roles in the city as parks commissioner and as et cetera, et cetera. And, and so and a lot of that worked out really well. He brought in some really top talent, and mm-hmm. uh, but but it, it gives them that power, which obviously can um, uh, also cause cause issues if it's you know it's used really, in questionable ways. I guess
2: it seems like a proposal ultimately that is going to be the archetype of the sort of law of unintended consequences because they they've so little thought about this that. Uh, how it shakes down could be anybody's guess, and there may be some quite positive things, and there may be some very bad things. But one thing is for sure is that no one really knows, <laughs> uh, neither the province nor nor anybody else. I mean, it's, it's such a I mean, yeah. I mean, with the the first point you made is is that there's no consultation, no no even even by the standards of, of you know the kind of PC conservative mindset, which, which tends not to be too keen on uh huge consultations you know and goodness me i i i get the the motivation for wanting to cut that short sometimes but um even by their standards this is like you know back of the envelope stuff um and, and you know it might you know i'm just sort of thinking, sitting here thinking that you know, one of the biggest problems we have at municipal level is you know how many times we said it in the last two weeks joel you know, name recognition, name recognition. Who's going to win? Well, who's who, who's got the person who who who's actually been heard of? Well, Andrea Horvath is more famous than Bob Breena. It's more famous than Keenan Loomis. Just to pick the local example. Uh, that's probably how it will shake down because name mm. recognition by cr- making the mayors more um, more celebrities, if you like. Uh, even you know, I mean, the the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa are already somewhat celebrity-ish. Um, that's the worst thing you can ever do as a, as a as a premier it's like well, yeah you, you are creating rivals here for yourself uh, are you sure you know what you're doing uh, so it, it's going to be interesting because it 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 seems like such a such a ill thought out thing um and I guess, you know, it makes I, it's good good for podcasts. That's all I can say. I, I
0: am going I am just gonna jump in because I see we're coming up on our time limit. So I'm going to throw it open to you, Andre, for the final word and final thoughts or what, what should people be paying attention to as this uh this new project goes forward for the provincial government?
1: Yeah, I mean I you know, I think I would just leave off pretty much with, with what Roland just said, which is um, you know, I think um, I think if you would have asked me a decade ago, when, when I was sort of deep into a lot of this stuff, um, I was much more bullish on maintaining a lot of the, the key elements of the, of the municipal for model this episode of 905. Thank you for um, I just As felt or like there like were aspects of it that were you know, or more democratic. That, I, I think, like,
0: it looks messy, but driving
1: consensus is what our We'd politics should, should be about, right? We can help us keep um, the openness, going a bunch of these, bunch of these factors, the well stronger council, and you contrast fiber. it with our federal provincial that. that's become well, this, this super highly convenient. centralized, Lastly, leader-focused you can us on social media, uh, system where the where the members are typically on highly on disempowered, Twitter, even Instagram, including some of our cabinet ministers. So now, and so you sort of say this push to get to that municipal level. Why would we want that? I think today. I'm a little more on the fence, I just feel like we're not necessarily seeing the level of ambition from our, from our cities and our tails, given kind of the huge changes our, our cities have in advance. Um, but I think it also comes to Roland's point, which is like, it's tough to make a change that's this big and dramatic, um, with so little thought, right? And again, if you go, if you go back to the mid 2000s when they were thinking through some more modest changes um, in Toronto and and also reforms to the MISPL Act, whatever, it was a whole process, right? And here it's just like, damn, we're going to slam through this legislation and and this will be, uh, you know, in place as of November and and off we go. Um, So, so I think it could have, it could have good outcomes. It's more just kind of hating the way this is, this is going down. Well,
0: I think we'll leave it at that for uh, for this week. So, thank you very much, Andre, for coming on, and giving us your expertise, your insight, and your uh, your thoughts on this matter. It's going to be an interesting looks going to be an interesting four years uh, uh, throughout the province. So, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time to come on.
1: Totally, my pleasure. Great, great to be here with you guys. Thanks. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness